You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And it's time to get your fix. Pick up the phone and call us right now with your home improvement project at one eight 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 Money Pit. There's got to be something that needs a fix in your house. Call us. We'll help get the job done. 888-666-3974. We've got a great show planned for you coming up on the Money Pit this hour. You know, Energy Star is probably the most revered brand in the energy efficiency space. However, Consumer Reports, also a very respectable brand, says there might be a little problem with the government's testing standards. We're hmm. going to tell you about their discovery and how it could actually save you hundreds in energy bills. And also ahead this hour, have you been avoiding some serious woodworking projects because they'd require more advanced tools like, say, a router? What? You don't even know what a router is? <laughs> well, do not fear the router. It is one of the most valuable woodworking tools that you can own. And we're going to give you some tips to help you tackle all sorts of cool projects with it coming up. And then I guess you're going to be running out and buying one immediately. Plus, one great way to save money and have some fun is growing your own food. But if you think fall is too late to plant a garden, well, think again. We're going to have some tips on how you can bring that vegetable garden indoors so you can enjoy fresh produce all winter long. All right. And painting is about to get a lot easier for one lucky caller who's going to make it on the air with us today and be our lucky winner because they will be getting a starter kit from Handy Paint Pal and it's valued at close to 60 bucks. So pick up the phone and give us a call right now, especially if you've got a painting project planned. The number is 888-666-3974. Let's get right to those phones. Leslie, who's first? All right, now we've got Alyssa in North Carolina who's dealing with a painted garage. Tell us what you're working on. Well, I have a garage door, and it's, it's wood, but then it's kind of like a panel door, so there's insert pieces. And the insert right. pieces are some kind of pressed wood or particle board or something like that. Okay. Okay. And, and the the door, the garage door was starting to peel and uh, the paint was starting to come off. So I went ahead and started stripping it with a scraper, not with any chemicals. And I found the wood underneath there. And now the wood is fuzzy, just the best way I can describe it. Fuzzy? And, yeah, it's it's. It's like it's kind of coming off um, in pieces, but okay. it's not rotted. It's not, you know, it's not something where it's rotted wood where I could put my finger through it or put a pen into it or anything like that. I, I don't think it's wood. I think it sounds like a hardboard or press board. Okay. And that's a hard one to, to refinish. Mm-hmm. 
So why not just paint it? That, that's fine. I can do that. I just didn't know if that was the best way to do it. Do I just go ahead I think and do so, really but what I would do first is... If, yeah, I would definitely prime it. I would lightly sand it, and I would use a primer. And if you want to be absolutely certain that you could good adhesion, use an oil-based primer. It's a little more work and a little more expense, uh, but it definitely uh-huh. will give you the best adhesion to this uncertain wood surface. And then the uh-huh. top coat will lay real nice on top of that. Okay. Yeah, because I'm just trying to – I don't know why anyone in the world would put a wood garage door in North Carolina. Um, <laughs> or anywhere, really. You know, they just – it didn't make sense to me, but right. I'm trying to get it to last at least another five years, you know, four years maybe. Um, so at least if I can get it decent looking for that long, I'd be happy. Well, that sounds like a plan. Okay. So an oil-based primer, lightly sand oil-based primer and then a good top coat. Correct. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Now we've got Joe from Maine on the line who's dealing with some pesky mildew that doesn't want to go away and stay away. Tell us what's going on. I was talking about a shower thing, and I saying that the, they have two pots, and we, we put the uh, caulk in there, we take it out, because it's yeah, mildew behind the wall and stuff. I used Mean Green, it took it out and stuff, but it keeps coming back about a month later. The customer keeps calling back another one, and then... You know, sometimes with mildew on the porches, we clean it with this mean green it works. But it seems to be seeping through. So I didn't know if there was some kind of grandma remedy that uh, is out there, sort of Clorox or this and that, that's easy to use and not as chemical and everything else and stuff. Now, is there caulk at the seam, Joe? Yeah, just in the, the bottom half and stuff. But, I mean, isn't there a chemical that would kill it completely that once you caulk it, that it, it won't seep through or... Well, no, because what happens is the condensation occurs from the surface. Um, now, in terms of the caulk, there are caulks that you can use that have mildicides in them. In fact, DAP has a line uh, with a product inside of it called Microban, which is very effective at, at stopping uh, mold from being able to grow on the surface. So it's a combination of trying to dehumidify as much as you possibly can um, and then uh, using the appropriate product. So in your case, that would be probably to, to remove and replace that caulk and then to add a timer to, to the fan. Um, otherwise, it's going to probably keep coming back over and over again. Hope that helps you out, and thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Now you can call in your home repair, home improvement, decor, design, help. It's almost fall. What can I do to make my home more energy efficient? Question. Whatever you are working on, we are here to lend a hand 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. Up next, one of the handiest woodworking tools ever invented is the router. But for some reason, there are those amongst you who are just a bit too frightened to use one. We're going to tell you how to get started with this very amazing tool. And we'll talk about all of the fun projects you can tackle with it after this. That is brought to you by Isonine. If you're building, remodeling, or re-insulating, demand Isonine spray foam insulation. Isonine fills the spaces other insulations miss for up to 50% energy savings. Learn more and find a dealer at Isonine.com. I-C-Y-N-E-N-E.com.
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. If you do, you might just win a starter kit from Handy Paint Pail, which is available only to today's winner. The prize includes a new generation paint tray with a disposable liner that makes cleaning up a breeze. You can visit handypaintpail.com for more information. This prize is worth almost sixty bucks. So give us a call right now with your home improvement question for your chance to win. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. All right, pick up the phone. We'd love to give you a hand with some projects. And maybe something that you've been thinking about tackling is a great woodworking project. But perhaps you're one of those people who maybe pushed that router to the back of your toolbox or your work area. Or worse, you don't even have one because you're too darn afraid. Well, we are here to change that. Now, a router is nothing to be feared. And it can actually be one of the most useful tools that you own. But you're thinking, hmm. What exactly is a router? Well, in the simplest terms, it's a shaft that runs off of a motor. And at the end of that shaft, there's a router bit or a cutter head. And basically, it's the device that actually cuts shapes or, in router terms, the profiles into the wood that you're working on. Super simple. That's right. Now, there are many projects that you can take on with the help of a router. You can add a decorative edge to furniture. You can create your own crown molding or your own chair rail molding. You can build furniture, or you can even add a cable slash speaker wire port to an existing cabinet or a TV stand. And if you're still a little hesitant, there is a great new starter kit that's available from Skill. It's perfect for beginners. And the Skill router has soft start technology, which is cool because it eliminates that kickback you get when you turn the machine on. Mm -hmm. You'll get better control um, as a result of that soft start technology. It's not going to sort of feel like it's going to spin out of your hands. Mm -hmm. Now, the kit comes with a bunch of extras, including a plunge base, a fixed base, and a carrying bag. You can visit skill.com for more information on that product. Mm -hmm. And once you actually start working with a router, it's going to be one of those tools that you're like, why didn't I ever use this before? And you're going to start thinking about really cool projects that you can do with the router tool. But you kind of want to remember some additional safety tips when you are using your router. You want to always remember safety glasses. They're super important. Every home improvement project, you should have a pair on. Earplugs, a really useful sort of tool for yourself to have when you're working with a router because they get pretty loud and it's kind of repetitive. like So it's helpful to have the earplugs in. If you're working with super small pieces, you want to clamp those down to your workstation. And you always want to keep both hands on the router for really good, smooth control. And when you're working with the router, remember, use multiple and shallow passes across the edge of that wood, and you're going to get the best results. 888-666-3974. Call us right now for the best results for your home improvement projects. Sean in Tennessee is on the line and needs some help restoring a door. Tell us what the project is. Uh, yeah, actually, when I, I bought a house, I'm just fixing to sell it. And uh, whoever lived in the house before me had started trying to paint the door facings white to match the uh, the walls, I guess. Okay. And what I have uh, a problem with is they used the wrong kind of paint. And I guess they realized it halfway through the project, so they didn't even finish. And the, the, the paint that they used is peeling off of the doors and stuff like that. Well, I'm going to sell my home, and so, you know, that's one thing that I w- would like to fix up. Sure. Well, I, have a dr- I have a Dremel tool, 
and you know it has like a little video of sanding head on it and mm-hmm. i kind of been trying to 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 do that but needless to say it's very tedious and time well that's a really that's a really tiny tool to be using for uh, a big a big sanding project like that get a bigger dremel <laughs> <laughs> i mean the dremel sanding disc is like an inch in diameter they're little well i i guess this was my my deal i, I have a i have like I have a bigger bit piece, and I actually borrowed somebody else's uh, a tool, somebody else's, but it actually started kind of get, getting into the the actual wood of the door. What you might want to do is get a palm sander or a quarter sheet sander, or they have sanders that are that are designed for details like that. Uh, I know that Black and Decker makes one. I'm sure there are others. They're, they're kind of in the shape. They look like a small iron. Mm-hmm. They they're have like that kind triangular. Of triangular, so that pointy shape. You can get to the nooks and crannies with that kind of a tool. And then start with a very coarse grit and work your way down. Now, if you're going to repaint this, you don't have to get all the old paint off, just the just loose smooth. paint off. And then you want to prime it and repaint it, and that should be all you need to do, Sean. Uh, I'll keep listening to the show, and, and I appreciate your time, man. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Tammy in Michigan's looking to make over a kitchen. How can we help you? Well, I'm wondering um, if you know anything about or can um, walk me through the process of using the, the product out on the market that is um, like you paint your old countertops. Okay. It leaves a hard, burn- a hard surface. So we, currently you have a laminate of some sort? I do. It's it's um, a 1979's faux butcher block. Okay. <laughs> oh, so you want to go from a faux butcher block to a faux granite top? Yes, there you go. Right. But it doesn't have to be granite. You know, there's so many different manufacturers that make these counter paints. Um one of them is Rustoleum, who I'm sure you've heard of. They have uh, it's like a counter paint kit, but it's really just one product in a box. And I think they're labeling it as counter makeover, counter paint. If you go to Rustoleum.com and search products, you'll find exactly what it is. And the only downside is it needs three days to cure. So you need to make sure that you know once you prep the surface and roll out the paint that you really, really let it dry. And that's available in twelve solid colors, I believe. Um, Modern Masters, which is like, I believe it's the same company as Rust-Oleum, like under the umbrella, but they're like more high-end finishes. So I think the kit's going to run like in the $200 range, whereas the countertop paint's only going to be in like the $20 range. Um, But Modern Masters makes one that is really phenomenal when it comes to trying to get a granite look. Um, And and it's very user-friendly. There's another company called Gianni that makes a um, granite paint, but that one's sort of more like a sponge painting kit, so you get a a different effect. Um, Not sure of the price point on that one, but whatever you do, make sure you follow the prep procedures, make sure you clean it and do whatever whatever they tell you to do so that you want it to stick, and really let it dry before you put anything back on top of it. Okay, awesome. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Jim in Illinois is dealing with some low water pressure. Tell us about the problem. Well, I have a, a rental, and we're in the middle of the, the city, about 100,000 people, and, uh, and we got low water pressure. And, uh, and so what we're thinking of doing, some people dig up the whole line out to the street and replace the line, uh, but what we'd like to do is put in a pressure tank and a pump yep. and, and use that to increase the pressure. 
Yeah, no reason you can't do that. That's a perfectly uh, fine and normal response. Uh, we very often see that in uh, folks that are building big houses and the street pressure is not enough to uh, serve the water that you need for all of the fixtures and faucets. So putting in your own pump and a pressure tank is a, a perfectly uh, acceptable way of solving this. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate You're it. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Now we're heading over to North Carolina where Nicole has a roofing question. Tell us what's going on. Well, we had a tree fall in our house, and we had um, no structural damage, but we had shingle damage. Mm-hmm. And so we've been working on finding the best re-roofing option. Um, so we've gotten some estimates and been looking around and researching, doing some research on the different types of shingles and that sort of thing. And what we'd really like to do is to um, go for a metal roof, and we have a bid that's not completely outrageous, which is nice. But the question, I guess, that we have is we've been told that some people choose to leave the shingles on the roof and to put the new metal roof on top of it. Um, some people have said that, it's, that that minimizes the lifetime of the roof, of the new roof. So we were just calling to get your take on that. Okay. I think what you're doing um, is you may be confusing multiple layers of asphalt shingle roofs with um, a layer of asphalt under metal. First of all, I don't think it will shorten the lifetime. If you're talking about multiple layers of asphalt shingle roof, yes. A second layer is not going to last as long as just a single layer because a single layer acts as a heat sink and stores a lot of heat. And frankly, it'll do some of the same thing with a metal roof and will radiate some of that heat back into your house. But the nice thing about radi- about uh, metal roofs is that they have, and you should confirm this with the product you're, you're thinking about buying, but most of them have low-E paint on them. So essentially, they radiate a lot of the heat. They sort of bounce it right back out. Now, that said, I would prefer if you're putting a metal roof on to make sure it was on the structure and not on a, not on a previous mm-hmm. layer of roof. I don't think it should add dramatically to the cost to take off that initial layer. And I just think it's a much nicer, cleaner way uh, to do a metal roof. I mean, a metal roof can last you a lifetime. So why have plus sec- years? You know, why why have a second layer of, of roofing underneath that for all that time? Yeah, we've also been cautioned about how the metal lays because if it's not put right, on, right? Exactly. Yeah, and so let's say that yeah, let's say that that roof starts to buckle a bit, or the shingles start to curl underneath the metal roof. It could you know raise up the space. So I would tell you, if it was me, I'd probably pull it off, even though I didn't have to. And, Nicole, you may want to check with your community, because I know in some municipalities, when you go to get your building permits, you know, some of them require a certain type of paperwork if you're leaving the roof structure as is and just putting a new layer on top, and some require a different type of permitting if you're taking everything off. So just make sure you follow up with your community so you've got everything filed before you start the process. Perfect. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, this time of year, do you find yourself longing for that cool feel of autumn, but assuming that that means you can't get out in the garden, you're done until next year? Well, not so. We are going to tell you how to bring your outdoor veggie garden inside for those chilly months ahead next. Eight 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 Money Pit.
The Money Pit is brought to you by Skills Complete Line of Routers with Soft Start Technology. You experience less kickback and better control. Pro features at a DIY price. That's what the skill routers are about. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And summer may be coming to a close, but your garden doesn't have to close down with it. There are ways to move many of your blooming beauties inside where you can enjoy them all fall long. That's right. So we have gardening expert and author Melinda Myers joining us with tips on how to extend your bloom time into the colder months. Welcome, Melinda. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you're so very welcome. Now, what kind of plants uh, just can't really survive it outside uh, and make it through the colder climates and are are sort of the must-moves to bring them inside? Well, you know, I think gardeners, no matter where you live, have what I call zone envy. You know, we always try to grow things that really aren't winter-hardy in our area. So if it's a plant that is not winter-hardy, then you're going to have to do something to get it through the winter. So if you're a northern gardener, things like tropical hibiscus, banana plants, um, even non-hardy bulbs like cannas and tuberous begonias, and even our friends in the south may be pushing the limits and growing some things. You know, some parts of the south can't keep their bougainvilleas and mandevillas over winter. So you need to really look at plants that aren't hardy that you can bring indoors, grow them like house plants in a good sunny window or a cool, bright location and try to keep them alive until the weather's right to put them back outside. Now, is there anything that you really should just forget about it and simply just leave outside for the colder months and, you know, hope for the best? (laughs) Well, anything that's borderline, if you can put it in a protected area, that will help. And then there's some plants that, you know, you just go, I can just buy new ones next year, and it doesn't make sense to bring every single annual impatience, geraniums, begonia indoors when it may be just as easy to say, you know what, I'm going to compost those and then I'm going to just buy fresh new plants because there's always new varieties on the market. And so it's a great way to kind of spark up your landscape, even if you grow the same kind of annuals, but try a new variety. Gardening expert Melinda Myers is joining us. She's the author of Can't Miss Small Space Gardening, available on Amazon, garden centers, and in bookstores. So uh, Melinda, is there a shock issue to be concerned about when you take a plant that's been growing outside and want to move it indoors, is there something you need to do to sort of make that transition a little easier, or is that just something that us humans think is important, but the plants could care less about? Well, you know, they'll let you know that they don't like changing of the conditions. You know, just like a lot of us don't like to move all of our activities indoors for the winter, the plants don't either. Just by moving your plants indoors, you're reducing the light intensity by about a tenth. And, you know, as fall approaches and winter, the days are getting shorter. They're not usually as bright in much of the country, and so those plants are going through a shock. So what you're going to need to do is gradually move them from the bright light outdoors to those lower lights inside. And the other thing you want to do is make sure nobody hitched a ride in any mm. insects. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> right there, I can tell Leslie's like, oh, no, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> no, thanks. So, how do you do that? I mean, do you give them like a shake or? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can tell I'm a great gardener. One of the things that you can do is, you know, when you bring it from outside into a good sunny window, isolate the plants that are moving outdoors, indoors, if you have a big indoor plant collection, because you don't want to infest your plants indoors that have been indoors all year. So I like to do so from outside to my screened-in porch to a room where just a bright room where just those plants that are coming indoors stay, and then I monitor. I check for a couple weeks, look for signs of insects, mites and aphids being the most common, If I find them, or even before, I might give them a shower with the hose before I bring them in 
That knocks a lot of the insects down. If I find something, I like to use things like insecticidal soap or neem. Safe for kids, safe for pets. So, you know, if you have a, I have a cat right now trying to munch on my lemon tree. And if you have a pet that like to munch on your plants, then you know what? You don't have to worry about them, the pesticide hurting them because it's all natural and safe. We're talking to Melinda Meyer. She's the author of Can't Miss Small Space Gardening. Now, what about the reverse of this? Let's say we've gone through the winter and now it's time to reintroduce the plants to the outside. Do you have to do that in small steps as well? You bet. I always relate it to the when the northerners go to Florida in January and we lay on the beach and fry our bodies. The same mm-hmm. thing happens to the plants. So move them outdoors gradually after the danger frost has passed. Then you want to put them in a shaded location. Each day, give them an hour more of sunlight. And then at the end of two weeks, they're going to be ready for that bright light conditions. Or maybe you just want to move them into a sheltered location so that transition isn't so great moving out for summer and back in for fall. There's a lot of steps involved, Leslie. This is why I kill plants. Me too. I mean, I'm always in the springtime so thankful that things have grown back. You know, I'm like, oh, good, we're at 75%. Home run. And then in the the fall, I'm like, Leslie, for the the season. Yeah, and the other thing that people may be wanting to do too is their non-hardy bulbs. Now, this may be a little bit on the easier side, things like tuberous begonias and calla lilies and dahlias, that after a light frost, you lift those up, take the soil off, let them sit for a couple of days to cure, remove any dead foliage, just gently brush off the soil, pack them in peat moss, and put them in a cool, dark place in the basement away from the uh, furnace, and then leave them there, and hopefully they stay dormant, and then you start the process over. So they don't require much care over winter. So that's a good low-maintenance kind of overwintering strategy for those kind of plants. Good advice. Melinda Myers, the author of Can't Miss Small Space Gardening. Thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thanks so much for having me. You can get more information uh, from Melinda by going to her website at melindamyers.com. And you can find her book in Amazon, garden centers, and bookstores. All right. Well, we've all come to rely on that Energy Star label when it comes to shopping for appliances. But is that label actually misleading? We're going to tell you how to make sure that you're getting true energy efficiency when the Money Pit continues. The Money Pit is brought to you by ODL's Add-on Blinds. Enclosed behind tempered glass, they eliminate the need for dusting and exposed cords, both problems with traditional blinds. Plus, they easily install over your existing entry glass. Visit www.odl.com to learn more. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And why don't you join in on the Money Pit Fund by picking up the phone and giving us a call at 888-MONEY-PIT because one caller is going to take home a starter kit from Handy Paint Pail. And it includes a brush and a roller. And the Handy Paint Pails all have disposable liners. So clean up really is super duper easy and they also have magnetic brush and roller holders on there so you're not going to make a mess unless you're just a messy painter we're taking that mess (laughs) out of the project we promise and the prize is worth almost 60 bucks so give us a call right now for help with your home improvement project and a chance to win this great prize at 888 money pit 
Well, consumers have come to know and trust that big Energy Star label that is slapped on the sides of most energy-efficient appliances on the market. But a new report finds that some Energy Star refrigerators are actually using too much energy to qualify for the Energy Star status. Consumer Reports has been calling for tougher oversight of the Energy Star program for years, and they've started using tougher standards for their own testing than what's been used by the Department of Energy. You know, that's right. And those tougher tests actually showed that two Samsung models and one higher model used way more energy than the government actually stated. And one of those Samsung models actually used 54% more. And that could add hundreds of dollars to your energy costs over the life of that unit. It's worth noting that these models were all manufactured before 2011. So they weren't subjected to the Energy Star program's new certification requirements. If you want to know the model numbers of those three refrigerators and see how your own refrigerator stacks up energy-wise, head on over to the Consumer Reports website at ConsumerReports.org. That's ConsumerReports.org. 888-666-3974. If you've got an energy efficiency question, pick up the phone and call us right now. Eric in West Virginia is on the line, and he's got some stuck doors in the house. What's the matter? Are you locked in? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, um... They're they're just uh, inoperable doors that um that we no longer use. We can't get out. Um, can't go out that way <laughs> or come in. So describe these doors to us uh, and tell us what they look like and and uh, tell us how difficult they are to get to op- get to open. They're just they're wooden doors with uh, the modern knock doors. They the wood on the outside and then glass. Full height glass? Glass, yes. Okay, so when, when doors get stuck, it's usually because they've swollen in place. Now, the other complication here is that these are so stuck you can't actually move the handles. Um, if they are hinged doors, what you're going to probably end up doing is having to remove them off the hinges to try to free them up. Once you get them out the first time, then you can try to examine where they're jamming. There's usually some uh, evidence on the on the door somewhere, some rubbing, some abrasion, where you can tell where it's really stuck. And you could start to, uh, to uh, abrade or plane away or sand away some of those high spots until you get a door that swings easily uh, and closes correctly. As far as the hardware is concerned, possibly when you get the pressure off the door to get them out of there, that might start to work again. Um, The other thing to keep in mind is that very often you can adjust the door's uh, placement by by moving the hinges. If the hinges are deeper down into the the, uh, jam, for example, that will create some room on the other side of the door. But a combination of those moves uh, could be very effective in uh, freeing these doors up. Eric, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Linda from North Carolina who's calling in with a gutter question. What can we do for you? I have gutters on my house right now, but I want to switch them out because I think I need seamless gutters. So my question is, what is the best type of gutters to get? Because I have a lot of pine trees in the yard. So my gutters right now are filling up with pine. So your question is not so much what kind of gutters to get, but what kind of gutter guard to get. Okay. And the gutter guards that I like better than any others are the ones that have a micro mesh surface to them. Yeah, it's Almost a like very, a screen on very the top. fine screening material. Mm-hmm. And it really stops everything from sticking not only to the mesh itself, but certainly stops stuff from getting in. 
And then my second favorite kind are the types that have sort of a louvered surface where they work on the surface tension of water, sort of hugging them and then rolling over them. The only problem with the ones that, de- that rely on surface tension is that if you have a really steep roof and you get a big flow of water, just that water can just right sort off. of wash right over the edge and, and, and down. But the gutter guards that have a micro mesh, very, very effective. The only, my only concern there would be having a pine tree in the yard and knowing the tremendous amount of sap that they do like to give off would be, you know, an issue with the sap sort of clogging up that mesh. It might be something you just want to ask the manufacturer to to ensure that that sap isn't going to, you know, be harmful to it. Right. Well, just a follow-up question. Does a house really need gutters? Yes. Yes. Absolutely, Linda. And here's why. That gutter system is going to control the water around the foundation. You don't want the water to get too close to the house. It can undermine the foundation. It can flood a crawl space or a basement. If it gets cold enough, it can freeze and be dangerous, you know, cause slippery sidewalks. It can cause your foundation to shift and move. So a gutter is actually an important part of the structure of the house, believe it or not. Okay, well, why do I see some without them? Well, because some folks just don't want to put them on. I mean, if your soil is really, really sandy, you might be able to get away with it. But for the most part, we think gutters are very, very important. Why don't you head on over to our website at moneypit.com. I actually wrote an article about all the reasons that you should have gutters. It's online at moneypit.com. There's also several articles there about gutter guards, too. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Still ahead, there's a new predator at large on college campuses, bed bugs. We're going to tell you ways to keep those critters from hitching a ride home with your co-ed next. You live in a money pit. The Money Pit is brought to you by Bostitch, professional quality hand tools, pneumatic and cordless nailers and staplers. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is one 888 pit 888-666-3974. Hey, have you thought about beefing up your home security? There is some amazing technological advances being made in home security right now. To learn more, just go to moneypit.com and search home security for the latest in uh, keeping your house safe and sound. All right. And while you're on moneypit.com, you can post a question in our community section, just like Mary from Texas did, who writes, my daughter is getting ready to go to college. I'm afraid of bed bugs in the dorm. Is there any way to prevent her from getting them or bringing them home? Mm. Um, yes, there is. First of all, if there are bed bugs in surrounding dorms, if her roommate has them, you want to make sure that her suitcase or, you know, duffel bag that she brings home for the weekend is stored like in a sealed off plastic bin under the bed, wherever. Just don't keep it in the open where anything could climb in and then transport home with you. And if they're bringing home clothes, laundry, bedding, wash, wash, wash everything right before they head home, pack it up in that duffel and then get on the plane. Well, you may have been to a restaurant with those giant umbrella-shaped heaters outside. You can actually do the same thing at home to make use of your outdoor spaces a little longer into the colder months. Leslie tells us how in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. 
That's right. You know, what you see when you dine out of doors in the cooler months are those patio heaters, and they don't always have to be as gigantic as you see when you go out to a restaurant. You can actually get a patio heater, you know, the freestanding version, as you know, or even a tabletop version, and they're going to range in price from around $100 all the way up to over 1000 But they really do make a great addition to an outdoor space, especially if you've got that beautiful patio, you love your outdoors, you want to dine outside. It can help you enjoy your outdoor space well into October, November, December. Depends on how crazy you are. But really, when it comes to shopping for one, keep in mind their fuel. They can run on propane, natural gas, or even electric. And compared to other heat sources like fire pits or chimeneas, they produce less emissions. Now, most homeowners traditionally choose the tabletop patio heater. And there are some advantages to those because they're lighter, they're smaller, they're easier to carry around. Now, the freestanding types, those are going to be much bigger, about 95 inches tall. And they're the ones that you see when you dine out at a restaurant. But they're also more powerful and can really heat a pretty decent sized area. Now, if you do choose a stationary heater, you can hook it up to your natural gas line and you won't have to have your tank, you know, refilled, replace the swap out program. But it's something that if you plan on moving your heater to different locations, that's not going to work for you. And a portable propane model is going to be the best. But whatever you choose, a patio heater is going to help you enjoy that outdoor space that you have loved all summer season long, well into the fall maybe even into the winter, depending on where you live. But it's a great addition to your outdoor space, so keep on enjoying it. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Coming up next week on the program, you know, when fall happens, you might find yourself up on a ladder cleaning out those gutters once again. And when you do, you want to make sure you take a good hard look at them because gutters that are in bad shape will leak even if they're clean. Next week on the program, we're going to have tips to help you make sure that your gutter system is truly good to go for the season ahead. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone.